0: we Welcome back. It's time for another Pick'em Rewind on the best college football pick'em pod in the land. We're coming to you from BellyUpSports.com. He is in Denton. I am Thomas Black, and we are in the midst of game one of the World Series between the Atlanta Braves and the Houston Astros. Alan, there is good news in the fact that we've got a lead for the Braves. Bad news that we're doing some recording here in the middle of the game, uh, but a hot start for the Braves certainly has to be feeling good.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime your team can get off to a a good start on the road, Um, you know, I know this will date the time that we were recording this podcast, but a little worrisome about old old Charlie Morton just kind of going out of the game. We'll We'll see how that affects things. But I mean, my favorite team and the team I've rooted for forever is in the World Series. So it's a good day.
0: <laughs> life is good for Mr. Denton, and life is pretty good in the contest, Alan. If you're ready for it, let's go ahead and jump into the rapid recap, taking a look back at Week Eight in the College Football Pick'em contest that we run here on the Blackout, and uh, we'll update with everybody with where we went with our picks last week and how we turned out uh, scoring wise.
1: Let's wind it back, man.
0: All right, for last week in Week Eight, Alan recorded 43 points, going six and four in his picks. The wins were Cincinnati at a 10, Ohio State at a 9, Notre Dame at an 8, Pittsburgh at a 7, Fresno State at a 5, and Iowa State at a 4. The losses were NC State at a 6, Air Force at a 3, UCLA at a 2, and Army at a 1. Allen, you dropped one position in the standings from a tie for 15th back to a tie for 16th, but you have 295 points as a whole, and you were sitting 19 points off the lead. Last week, you were 18 points off the lead, so you're largely in the same position. A fairly strong week. You have to be feeling at least reasonably good with Week 8 and the challenges that it posed.
1: Yeah, it, it felt like a play here or play there really swings it the other way, right? You know, I I clearly had things put in the right spot. NC State's the only one that I really swung and miss on and obviously publicly swung and miss on it since that was a value pick. It turns out the odds makers knew what they were doing. And I think we joked about that uh, last week that um, you never, it just Vegas always finds a way. Um, but i missed my three two and one game those, those are ones you take some risks on um i'm keenly aware that i was 18 points back last week and so it's like i've got to take some risk to get back up top um sometimes those pay off but hey i'm okay with where i lost those games that meant i was i was pretty much on it
0: yeah, I understand. I think that your picks were solid. Of course, the score sheet turned out pretty well in your favor. For a recap of where I was, I only came away with 40 points last week. I went 6-4 and four as well, but my placement wasn't as good as Allen's. I had Ohio State at a 10, Cincinnati at a 9, Pittsburgh at an 8, Iowa State at a 6, Fresno State at a 5, and Notre Dame at a 2. The losses were NC State at a 7, UCLA at a 4, Air Force at a 3, and Army at a 1. Man, those uh, those – Military academies were really hurting me as the week went out. I went from a tie for 6th, dropped all the way to 10th place. I have 299 points on the season, and I am 15 points back of the lead. Coming off of last week where I was 11 points back, so I dropped a decent bit, but I'm still not in terrible spot. Alan, I don't love the turnout last week. Like you, I took some risks that a couple of them turned out really good. A couple of them didn't turn out as good as I wanted. But ultimately, I'm still in a pretty solid position as we go into a deeper portion of the second half of the season. So a lot to go, my friend. And uh, we're looking for some big turnarounds as we get here into week nine. We're still in it,
1: right? Like If you're anywhere 25 points back or less, you're totally still in this thing with with many weeks left. It things can change on a dime. Uh, you know, Tim, the guy that's that's leading now, was was has not been in the lead and was eight to ten points back just a couple weeks ago. Right. Yeah. Things things they life happens fast um in in, in this lane. So um and, it's gonna be a, a good finish.
0: Yeah, I was even talking to a mutual friend of ours, Alan, just a little while ago. He's in the contest, and early on, he was in the middle of the pack in the Pick'em group. And I think if I tabulated it right in the last three weeks, he's gained 19 points on me. He's sitting right outside the top 10. He's just one point behind me. So uh, there are some people who can have some quick, quick turnarounds, and it is worth it to stick it through week after week, because all it takes is stringing together three or four really solid weeks, and you can climb past a whole bunch of people. Absolutely. Alan, you went ahead and mentioned one of our leaders. We actually have co-leaders this week. It's Tim and Jesse. They each have 314 points, and they are duking it out for a couple of our top prizes in the season-long contest. For first place, we have a performance package 4.0 from Manscaped and a $100 Visa gift card. And for second place, we have a pair of Yeats, sunglasses, and a $50 Visa gift card. So, Alan, if you're good with it, we've got some prizes that everybody's running for. We've got some standings that are in hot contention. You and I are in reasonably good position. Let's go ahead and jump into the Pick'em Rewind to recap what happened in Week 8. Yes, sir. All right, let's go ahead and uh, start with one of the value picks, Alan. This is one that we both were hot on. We took Pittsburgh over Clemson. That came to be true. I picked up eight points on it. You took seven. So the Pittsburgh Panthers getting some points for us in back-to-back weeks. Kenny Pickett was good again. He threw for over 300 yards. We saw DJU get benched for Clemson. A lot of things went down in this one. But even there were a couple of really key plays that happened in this game that I think made this thing maybe a little bit more comfortable for pittsburgh than it would have actually turned out had the plays gone the other way
1: yeah agreed Uh, i mean this year and especially this game for dju has as uh here excuse my dad joke has been more like dj poo and um kenny pickett is a first round quarterback that's why we trusted them right we trusted their offense Clemson, again, did not get to 20 points, which we said they hadn't done except for one time. The only other time was against South Carolina State, which doesn't count. And then Pitt, that they're going to get more than 20 points. You can pretty much guarantee it. I think at this point, probably Pitt is the class of the ACC. After seeing both of them again, they're better than Wake, and we'll discuss that game in just a minute. But uh, Pitt with a big win at home, and I, <laughs> I I know this may hurt your heart a little bit, but I love watching Dabo squirm on the sidelines.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm okay with it. I've talked to some people about this, man. I, I may have been in Clemson for a number of years. I, for those who don't know, I worked in sports media, did some sports radio in Clemson, South Carolina for a few years, so I got to work with... The Clemson program and a lot of people in that program, I I've got to work with Dabo personally a few times uh, through the years there, so I know those people over there, and I've got a little bit of a soft spot in my heart, but at the same time, I don't have a, a deep love for Clemson football, so if, if they win me some points in the pick'em contest because I'm putting a lot of money, a lot of points on Pittsburgh, I am A-OK with that because at the end of the day, hey, I don't live and die with Clemson football.
1: That's exactly right. Hey, and we we got our points on that one—a combined fifteen. For us, which which definitely helped us out early on in the day.
0: No doubt about it. This was a big ACC matchup, and let's jump to another one with an ACC opponent. Alan, you already touched on it. Wake Forest putting up 70 points on Army, winning by 14, Army putting up 56. Man, this <laughs> one was fireworks left and right. No defense. Neither team could stop the other, and it wasn't until Wake Forest got a pick six on a fake punt that yep. enabled them to get some separation on RB what a game it was that
1: one was a just so much fun to watch it really was a combined I, i'm just uh, looking at these numbers is staggering i'm i'm counting over 1200 yards combined um i i've never seen anything quite like this Wake forest had 70 points in 17 minutes of time of possession. That is unreal to me. I mean, 70 points. They just consistently went over the top. Sam Hartman is, is just a, a rock star, but again, their defense is also atrocious. I mean, <laughs> it's just absolutely atrocious. Now army is, it's a hard offense to, um, to stop, but i I'm, I still think that this might have been one of those games going down the wire, if not for that pick six on the, the fake field goal. If army just has their normal offense out there, I think we may be talking about this game a little bit differently.
0: I think we absolutely could have. And they were right there, man. They were scoring toe to toe (laughs) with Wake Forest all throughout the game up until that third quarter swing with the pick six. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the Wake Forest defense, man. This is something that you and I were both on. There weren't a lot of people that went with Army in this matchup, but you both, you and I, took a little bit of a shot on them. Both of us took. Army at a one in this one, obviously coming away incorrect on that. Uh, but Army did to Wake Forest defense what I expected it to. I thought they were going to have a lot of success. Now, I didn't think they were going to score 56 points, but neither did I think Wake Forest was going to score 70. Uh, <laughs> but, but man, a lesson we learned in this one is if you have any talent at the wide receiver position, and if you've got any talent at the quarterback position, man, Army's in trouble because they could not defend the passing game for, for Wake Forest worth anything.
1: Agreed. I mean, it's it's too bad half of the folks that they're going to play aren't going to be able to take advantage of that. The the other service academies, I think maybe this week or something like that they play. uh, Maybe they they play Air Force or in a couple of weeks. You know, Air Force is not going to be able to take advantage of that because they they just they run the ball. They they run the triple option just like them. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's Wake Forest offense is very very good. Right, but I mean they're not seventy points good. That that's clearly just. Just bad, bad defense.
0: Yeah, we had seen this on repeat now from Wake Forest multiple times in the Pick'em Contest. I think that's why both you and I were on Army in this matchup because we'd seen Wake survive a game against Louisville, and we thought kind of at the time, okay, that's kind of understandable. Louisville's had a good offense, but then they gave up big points and big yards to Syracuse, and it was kind of at that point that I started kind of getting off the Wake Forest bandwagon, and hey, they may have gotten some points in this game and won, and won by 14 points, but I think this is another bullet point to the detriment of Wake Forest, to me, in my mind. I think you agree, and it's something to keep in mind as we go forward deeper into the season.
1: Somebody's going to beat them. Uh, There's no way they're running the table with that kind of a defense. It's just it's impossible.
0: Video game numbers from Sam Hartman, 23 completions for 458 yards and five touchdowns. Jaquari Roberson had eight receptions for 157 yards and three scores. A.T. Perry had six receptions for 146 yards and a touchdown. It was unbelievable that Army didn't ever get off the field defensively. Alan, let's jump over to one that we both got right, but we were both at different values on this one. Notre Dame coming away with a win 31 to 16. You got eight points on the Fighting Irish, a big score there for you. I only took Notre Dame at a two. I was concerned about this game. And man, if it weren't for an early pick in this game, if it weren't for a couple of turnovers from Southern Cal, a team that actually outgained Notre Dame in this game, I think we could have had a very, very close finish, maybe going down to the last possession or something like that. Uh, But I was also just wondering at the end of this game, where in the world was Jackson Dart? I heard kind of some rumors leading up into the game like Thursday last week that Jackson Dart was going to be available for this game and the expectation was that he was going to play. That never happened. It continued just to be Keaton Slovis, you know, a decent quarterback going down the field but then throwing picks, things like that. and, uh, And Fighting Irish came away with the win. Yeah, Keaton
1: Slovis is perfectly meh. You know, he he he, he does he, he he's like a Ford Focus. You know, he he may get you there, but you're you're not gonna feel real good about it most of the time. Um, but I, the reason I I pushed them up my board is I I didn't see Brian Kelly losing this game at home, especially. I would have I would have really struggled with with this game if if it were out in L. A. But because it was um, up in South Bend, I, I figured Jack Cohn and company with their running game and as good of a defense as, as they have, it's not as up to par of a defense as they've had the past few years. But it's still a formidable defense. Um, and and here's the here's the honest truth. Nobody can stop Drake London. So that dude can play. Um, he can play for anybody and will be playing for somebody and getting paid big bucks next year. Um And so that's the reason I pushed him up my board is I I saw a lot of different scenarios and in this game and and the vast majority of them had uh, Notre Dame winning by at least a touchdown.
0: Yeah. Well, it certainly played out that way. It would have been to my benefit if, USC had stayed closer and pulled off the upset Uh, I took a little bit of a shot there with them but man it sure would have been nice if we had seen Jackson Dart on the field because uh, if if he had been out there I think that we possibly could have seen a, a different type of game go down you know at least not so comfortable for Notre Dame the whole way
1: yeah I would agree that that would that would have looked and felt like a different game with with him on the field
0: Alan, let's move over to another service academy, one that we were both on. Both of us took Air Force at a 3 over San Diego State, but San Diego State comes away with a 20 to 13 win. Another game where man, they were outgained by Air Force in this one, only by 30 yards, but it was a defensive battle, a slug fest, and a couple of turnovers by Air Force and a couple of missed opportunities really enabled San Diego State to build up a big enough lead to have a little bit of comfort area for them as we went deeper into this game. Air Force not quite able to pull off the comeback.
1: They should have won the game, right? Air, Air Force should have should have won the game. They got two turnovers. and when when you play the way that they play, that's like that's like four turnovers for a, for a normal team. He just can't have that happen. Um, I think in many ways they they should have won this game, should have beaten San Diego State. Uh, kudos to Brady Hoke for um, for kind of remaking himself in the twenty first century. After kind of falling a little bit flat uh, at his at the end of his time at Michigan and then being on Butch's final staff at Tennessee, um, he's he's doing a really good job there. But I, I still feel pretty good about this pick. It just didn't go our way.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And you mentioned it earlier already, the type of offense that Air Force runs, they don't throw the ball much. But man, another one of their blunders in this game was early. They had a receiver running wide open down the middle of the field, up near midfield. And the throw was perfect. Open receiver, green grass in front of him, and he just dropped it. It would have been a touchdown and I think would have significantly changed the outcome of this game.
1: Oh yeah, I agree. Because that was really early. I think it might have been uh still like three to nothing, just I mean literally wide open. He he was walking in. He could have pimp daddy it in and, and nobody would have touched him. But uh he he just dropped it. It was it was painful to see.
0: Definitely, Alan. Another one that we were both on the same side. Technically, we were on the same side in every matchup this past week. Uh, but one of my value picks that did not come to fruition was calling for UCLA over Oregon. Instead, the Ducks won thirty-four to thirty-one. But man, this game was a roller coaster ride. UCLA mm. led fourteen nothing. Then they trailed. to before they came storming back in the fourth quarter. We even saw Dorian Thompson-Robinson go down with an injury. Ethan Garbers comes in. He's actually looking pretty good. He converts a fourth down, and then a pick ends it. But man, this was a fun game to watch, and one that I think I have to give a little bit more credit to the Oregon offense than I thought we would see in this game. Uh, But ultimately, uh, the game played out very similarly to how I thought it would. Yeah,
1: Anthony Brown was the difference in the game. I didn't think he could be a difference maker in this kind of a, a game. Now he did he turn the ball over? Yes. But I mean he had nearly three hundred yards passing and then he nearly had hundred yards rushing. Anytime you're doing that, you've you've had one heck of a day. Oregon's offense was a little bit better than than I think that they had shown at you know, at Stanford and 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 in those kind of games. This is more of a throwback to what they did. Against Ohio State earlier on in the year, but you know Oregon's still in it. That was a that was a big win for them.
0: It was huge, especially in the Pac-12, especially in the college football playoff race. No doubt, a massive win for Oregon, especially coming up with the upset. You know UCLA being favored in this one, but to give them credit; they got the job done. And I'm with you. I think that uh, when you look at the play on the field. Uh, really, it was the quarterback play from Oregon that got the job done, something that I was not expecting. Alan, let's jump over to another one that we both got right. This time, Fresno State coming away with a 34-32 win over Nevada. This is a big one with a couple of under-the-radar quarterbacks out there who are some of the best in the country, and Jake Hayner for Fresno State, Carson Strong for Nevada. Man, this one uh, was explosive as well, uh, but Fresno State had a little bit of a cushion in this game that got... Kind of pushed down late. Nevada nearly tied this thing up, uh, but a lot of offense in this one, and some good teams. That uh, if you don't watch them on a regular basis, these are some fun teams to watch. Agreed.
1: Uh, that's one of the things I was thinking is like these teams are these are good football teams, right? I mean, Fresno State is legit a really really good football team, and I, I'm excited to see you know them again this week in our in our pick and board. I appreciate the fact that ESPN throws throw some of those in there. Um, a close one, as you mentioned, at one point, middle of the fourth quarter, it's 34-23 Fresno State. They had control, let off the gas a little bit, had to survive a failed two-point conversion to tie it, at, you know, as, essentially as time expired. But um, pull pull it off at home, and I, I was re- I really needed this one to come through because as we talked about last week, you had to get the middle of your board right, and and I, that was right smack dab in the middle at that five position.
0: Yeah, five points for you, five points for me. This was a big one and one that boosted our scores. Uh, both on that side, man, something to me to watch for in this game. Nevada was actually the one that won the yardage battle, five twenty-three to four sixty-one, uh, fairly even there. But they did lose the turnover battle, two to one. They also went over one on fourth down. I think that was kind of the difference in this game. But I give a little bit of credit too to Fresno State. We talk about the quarterbacks, but their rushing game was good. They outgained Nevada two hundred five to forty-seven in the running game, averaging six point eight yards a carry. So this offense can beat you in multiple ways.
1: Yeah, that they're they're pretty explosive and as you meant, multidimensional. Um I I like watching this this football team play. I, I think they can play with some big boys.
0: Alan, another one that we both got right, but man, this one's kind of back and forth as well. Iowa State beating Oklahoma State twenty four to twenty-one. Man, I wrote down one note from this one. Uh as good as and I think as surprising as it was, Spencer Sanders really played a solid game and Mm-mm. kept Oklahoma State in this game, but Brock Purdy was just enough. He was a little bit better. I just want to give a little bit of credit to Spencer Sanders because we've spent enough time kind of talking down on him and saying how he's inconsistent. But man, I think he's upped his game a little bit this year. I think every once in a while you're still gonna get a really poor performance from him. Uh, but there have been a couple of moments this year where he's played some really good football.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this was the first time Brock Purdy needed this, right? And in big games this year, he has not played well. And their two losses, he's pretty much been the reason for those losses because it's been because of turnovers against Iowa and and again against Baylor. They just turned the ball over consistently and they they shot themselves in the foot. He didn't do that today. Really, neither of them did. Um, And both of them have been really turnover prone. We thought the home field advantage would would give them an, enough juice, and you know that that kind of helped propel them. But this one was a a really fun game to watch.
0: It certainly was, and it was in doubt very much late into the fourth quarter as to who was going to come away with the win. Multiple lead changes in this thing, even though it was low scoring. A very very fun game to watch, and uh, one that we saw a lot of different picks on. You know, with Oklahoma State being a top ten team. Iowa State with a couple of losses. There were a lot of people in Oklahoma State, but rightfully so, there were also a lot of people that ended up picking the Cyclone. So, a really fun game there. Alan, well, you mentioned it already with your value pick. One that you missed was NC State. Going for the win against Miami, Miami comes away with a one-point victory, 31-30. to This is one that I was a little bit softer on, and then I ended up putting a lot of value on it as well. I missed seven points on NC State. You missed six. Um, So I ended up going with your advice. I kind of bought into the exact same things. But, man, there's one thing that I put down in my notes here. Technically, NC State got more scores. They scored six times, but three of them were field goals. You know, three touchdowns, three field goals versus Miami's five scores, but they had four touchdowns and a field goal. Really, that's the separation in this game because NC State kept on driving and driving and driving, uh, but they came up short multiple times deep in Miami territory. And I really think that was the difference in this game. Uh,
1: I agree. That and no turnovers, right? Tyler Van Dyke played a terrific game as, you know, the the incumbent starting quarterback now. And um, he had been turnover prone in each of his games previously. That is something NC State was not able to do that I was pretty much counting on because he had consistently turned the ball over and NC State had been able to force turnovers. And as you mentioned, when you kick field goals on the road, uh, that that can get you beat. And as you mentioned, it it did. Um, So egg in my face, I missed it. And, um, you know, this this one definitely hurt.
0: No doubt about it. Alan, only a couple more games to talk about. These did not hurt at all. Though one was uncomfortable, Cincinnati over Navy, 27 to 20 men, far closer than anybody expected. You had Cincinnati at a 10. Not surprising because they are the biggest favorite on our board. I took Cincinnati at a nine. I put them down just a spot in terms of confidence, according to the spread. But Cincinnati was kind of in control of this game most of the way, uh, but it certainly wasn't comfortable for the Bearcats.
1: No, against what has been a a pretty bad Navy team, um, but anytime if you're not used to playing that that uh, offense, it, it's tough. It beats up on you, and and quite frankly, it it doesn't play into the just sheer athleticism of some of those guys on the Cincinnati defense, right? You know, it it doesn't allow for them to just pin their ears back and. And and play fast. They have to go over chop blocks, and it took them a while to to get settled in. But once they settled in, um, they that game was you know a 17 point game near the end of the third. But because they were able, Navy was able to get that ball back on an onside kick at the end, they had a chance to to come back and tie that dang game. So sweated a whole lot more than I wanted to for a ten at a noon.
0: Yeah, definitely. And man, there was a big play at the end of the first half. You know, see, they get the onside kick there at the end. Of course, they have a shot to be able to tie the game. But this game really could have been dicey if it weren't for the scenario that played out at the end of the first half. Because Navy's lining up for a field goal to close out the first half. Cincinnati blocks it gets it into Navy territory and then kicks a field goal of their own. So at the break, Cincinnati could have been down 13 to 10. Instead they're up 13 to 10. And then that enabled them to get the two score lead in the second half once they scored another touchdown. So really they could have been playing from behind starting the second half. And I don't know which way this game would have turned had that been the case.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's one of those those things where it just it gets dicey. And that's the beauty of of what some of these service academies do is they just milk the clock. They make every single possession really important. And in today's game, most of the time, each individual possession is not highly, highly valued because teams are going so fast.
0: Yeah, Uh, and that a lot of the reasons you've talked about, you know, the triple option, milking the clock, All of these are reasons that I ultimately moved Cincinnati down from a 10 to a 9. I just thought, you know, they've played some big games or they've blown some teams out. Not every team acclimates themselves to playing the triple option all that great. If they come out a little bit sleepy and because of the style of play that Navy has, if they keep it to a condensed low possession style game. I don't know that Cincinnati is going to blow them out by quite as much as people expect them to. So that's kind of the reason I took Cincinnati at a nine and I, I was comfortable man with, with the game coming down late and Navy having a chance to potentially tie the game. I felt good about it. Cause I knew there were a lot of people that had Cincinnati at a 10. So it felt pretty decent to me considering the fact that, that the game was so close.
1: Yeah. You might could have picked up a point. And when,
0: when you're at this level, like every point really matters. <laughs> It certainly does. To cap it off, we looked at Ohio State just blowing the doors off of Indiana 54-7. to And this is the one, Allen, that I took the Buckeyes at a 10. You had the Buckeyes at a 9. A lot of points gathered, but a 47-point win that was never in doubt past the first quarter.
1: Yeah. I mean, they figured it out. Tom Allen, has his team has struggled this year. They've got nothing consistently offensively. It is a great, great struggle. They missed the magic of last year, but Ohio State's found the rhythm, and this didn't take long to be long over.
0: Yeah, this offense has really been clicking for a few weeks now. I know Ohio State has not played top competition over the last month or so, but man, C.J. Stroud has really got it clicking with his receivers. He threw for four touchdowns in the game. Travion Henderson, the true freshman running back, is a monster. He ran for 81 yards on only nine carries and had two touchdowns. Man, they were resting players throughout this game, and it's going to mean a lot for them moving forward. The fact that this offense is moving the ball the way it is, the fact that C.J. Stroud, I think, has really grown up at this point in the season, at least it seems so. We'll see against tougher competition here late in the year. But, man, I think this Ohio State team is really rolling at this point.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, it's going to be interesting moving forward to see how they hold up against some better better defenses and better teams. But they they seem to have found their rhythm against a a weak portion of their schedule
0: certainly so a couple other notes to give you is that uh, in this game between Ohio State and Indiana Jack Tuttle the quarterback for Indiana left the game early with a foot injury I think it came back negative on the x-ray machine but I think they were going to do some more tests with that later in the week so if Indiana happens to pop up in our pick'em slate again this year, which I don't think is super likely, uh, that'll just be something to watch with a quarterback situation there. And one that we missed earlier is that in that Notre Dame-USC game, early in this one, Kyle Hamilton, the All-American safety for the Fighting Irish, went down with a knee injury as he was trying to help defend Drake London. So that is something to certainly watch for this Notre Dame defense as we move on deeper into the season. Indeed. All right, Alan, of course, as we move through week eight, uh, we had some. Great competition up at the top of the pack. We did not, however, have anyone walk away with a perfect score, which would have earned someone a $25 Visa gift card. We are still looking for somebody to walk away with a perfect weekly score, plus come away with the closest tiebreaker score for the game of the week on the ESPN College Pick'Em. This past week, our co-leader Tim had 53 points, only missing on the San Diego State pick. If he had gone with the Aztecs, he would have had a perfect 55 points. So a remarkable week for him and one that launched him into a tie for first place.
1: That's how you do it. Just takes one really great
0: week. Of course, you can always follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at the Blackout Pod. That is something that helps us out a lot. And you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts if you'd like to support us and our work. Coming up next, Alan and I are going to record our week nine pick 'em pod where we give you two value picks each. For the upcoming slate. And man, there are a bunch of games with tight spreads this week. So, Alan and I are hopefully going to lock ourselves onto some really good value for you to help you guys in the contest and help you navigate your way to some of these prizes. So, Alan, thank you so much for your time. And uh, let's see if we can dig into week nine and figure out this crazy, crazy pick 'em board. (laughs) Let's do this thing, man.